So we're on a, a series of messages now that I am calling, What an Absolute Character. This is part two. And the premise for this is that everyone is saying all around the world there's going to be a new normal. That out the back of this lockdown period, as we come out the end and defeating this, this virus, that things aren't, can't just be the same. What was normal isn't going to be the same. We're stepping into a new normal. So what I'm asking us is do we want to take our old selves into a new normal? Do we want to take our old character traits, our old habits, our old lifestyle, and plonk it right into the middle of something that's new? Or do we want to challenge ourselves and wrestle with some stuff and maybe leave some stuff behind? Maybe add some things into our character so that we can behave in a more effective way in the new normal and become more, flourish more in life. Um, so this is a pause. This lockdown period for all of us is a pause. It's a moment where things aren't the same and we're getting the opportunity to reflect. My hope is that you will consider these things and challenge yourself and prayerfully leave some stuff behind and add some stuff in because I want to see you flourish. God wants to see you flourish. And this is a unique moment in history. Uh, I was chatting to someone the other week and this great thought came out that here we are cleaning our houses making sure everything's disinfected, washing our hands because we want to put a halt to this virus. But shouldn't we also be cleaning our houses from the inside out so that we are better people going forward? It's, I love that analogy, I'm sure you pick it up. So today I want to look at Moses, biblical character. Each time we do this, we'll look at some biblical characters, look at their positive and negative traits, draw something from them so that we can apply the, what they learn into our lives today. So we're going to look at Moses. I'm sure that most people would be familiar with Moses' story, but here's a quick, very quick potted history. Moses was born in a time uh, as, a, as a Jew when the Pharaoh of Egypt was um, killing all the, the, the male children, a population control, if you like. And so Moses was born into a time when all of his peers were getting murdered, but he was put into a, a basket by his mom and hidden in the bulrushes and Pharaoh's daughter found him. He was then adopted, so to speak, by Pharaoh's daughter and brought up in the palace. It was a period when the Egyptian people were really slave driving the Israelites and forcing them into hard work. And Moses had to watch all this happen and he found it difficult. It came to the point where he killed an Egyptian slave driver and, and ran away. And he ran away to hide for many, many years and he, and he built a business and he, he became relatively successful. But then there was a moment when God stepped in and spoke to him in the burning bush. And God called him to, to lead the people out of slavery. And he went back to, to Pharaoh and through a whole bunch of events, a load of plagues that God released on Egypt, forcing Pharaoh's hand, Moses was able to lead the people out of slavery across the Red Sea and into freedom. What an amazing, amazing man. You can read his story if you care to, all through Exodus and, and into Numbers. Moses was the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible, and we can learn so much from him. And so what I want to do today is look at two character traits that we see in Moses, one positive and one negative, but apply the truths to us today that we can learn from. The first one I want to look at is the area of frustration, and the second one I want to look at is the idea of courage. And Moses carried both of these things in his world. Now, 
In today's world, if you were to go and see a counsellor, classically, if you're wrestling through some issues in your life, they would ask you about your childhood. Uh, and there's much scientific proof to see the links of, of how you grow up and the stages you go through and how it impacts your adult life. Well, poor Moses. You know, we can see frustration building in Moses from day one. Here he is, a child taken from his own family at three months old, all of his male peers murdered. He's brought up in a palace where he doesn't really fit in. He's different to everyone else, and he knows it. You can feel how frustrating that is. He's looking around, and I've got no male contemporaries at all. I'm being brought up by the Egyptians, and I can see the Egyptians really slave-driving my people who have a deep connection. How frustrating to watch that happen. And he watches it build day after day that the pressure is coming on his people. And in the end, it comes to the point where he just snaps. He sees his people getting slave-driven and whipped and beaten and the demands on them getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And he's watching it. And he has this dilemma in his heart because the people who have been so kind to him personally are the same people that are bullying his people. Can you see how that would be so frustrating? It's been building up from childhood. His, his head must be all over the place. And he comes to the point where he watches a man getting beaten and he snaps. And he steps in and he murders the Egyptian slave driver. He digs a hole and buries the slave driver and he runs away. But you can see how frustration has built up in him. And what we're learning is that what's on the inside of us eventually gets reflected on the outside of us in the way we behave. Our behaviour doesn't start in behaviour, it starts on what's going on the inside of us. And so often it's linked to our history. And we can see that here. Uh, and so he's letting it out and he's, his frustration's built up to this point where he, he murders this guy and he runs away. But then, in time goes past, he gets this call from God. And he sees and he does amazing, amazing things. You know, he sees these plagues coming in. And we know the story, the, the locusts and the toads and, and, and the bugs and mites. And, and we see the water turning to blood. We see all this incredible stuff happening as Moses declares, this is what's going to happen. And it's amazing stuff happening. And he parts the Red Sea with his staff. Can you even put yourself in his shoes? God was working with him and through him. Amazing story, miraculous story after miraculous story unfolding in his life. But he's leading these people, these Israelite people, who grumble. They're incessantly grumble. And that they're, they're thirsty and they're like, Moses, why did you bring us out here? They've seen all this stuff. And why did you bring us out here? Now we can't even drink. And they're still grumbling despite all these things happening. And I want to read you this verse here in, in Numbers chapter 20 and verses 7 through 12. And I wanted to unpick it a little bit with you. This is what it says. Moses 20, uh, Numbers 20 verses 7 through 12. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock. Speak to that rock before their eyes and, and pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they can feed their livestock and drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in the front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels! Can you sense the frustration? Listen, you rebels! Now the Bible says rebels, but I wonder what his real words were. Listen, you... Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? 
Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Can you see what's happening here? Here's this boy, Moses, born into a time of difficulty. You can see how frustration has built up in his world. It's become part of his character. He's looking through the eyes of frustration. He ends up letting it out in a moment of anger and murders a man and has to run away. Then he encounters God. Then he takes these grumbling, thankless Israelites on a journey. And God says to him, speak to the rock. But he doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes the rock twice. You rebels, I will bring water for you then. There. Can you see how frustration is motivating him there? And frustration is coming out in the form of anger. Now, what happens if frustration isn't dealt with? If frustration isn't, is unchecked, it leads itself to be displayed in anger. And the trouble is with anger, if anger is displayed, so often it's displayed in violence. And violence, let's face it, never ends well. At worst case, it ends in death. And so what happens is, it doesn't necessarily end in physical death, but it could end up in a relationship dying, it can end up in a dream dying, a business dying, because you just let out of your frustration, and, and which has developed into anger, a, a violent moment, you use words you shouldn't have used, you, you maybe even strike out at someone, and it doesn't end well. But there isn't the anger and the violence of the issue, it's the frustration, it's the root of it. And here we see it displayed in Moses, a good man, a man called by God, a man who's seen many, many miracles. But what happened? He didn't deal with the frustration. So later on, despite all the amazing things that have happened, when the people grumble, what happens? The frustration, which is still there, builds up and comes out in an angry outburst and he strikes the rock. And God says to him, you didn't honour me. I didn't ask you to strike the rock. I told you to speak to the rock. And because you haven't dealt with your frustration, you're not the man I can trust to lead the people into the promised land. So therefore, your dream of taking the people there has now died because you never dealt with your frustration. Can you see how difficult that is? Here, if I can just interject for a moment, is where again we see the grace of God. God says, you're not going to take the people into Israel. You're not going to take them to the, to the land of promise. But, but many years later, when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus has this moment where he goes up on a hill and he has what we call the transfiguration. He is lifted up and three of his disciples, Peter, James and John, see it. And it's an amazing, amazing moment. And I want to just read to you from, from Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 4, and just see this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them high up a mountain. When they were all alone, there he was transfigured before him, before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. So Elijah representing the prophets and Moses representing the law and Jesus the man who comes to fulfill the law and the prophets and bring grace 
all in this picture. But the thing I love is this is happening in Israel. So despite all the frustration and the anger and the violence that were, were the character traits that God couldn't trust in his leader, Moses did find himself in the promised land when he was transfigured with Jesus. And I say, that's the grace of God, that I put you there despite it all. How amazing. But here's the thing I want us to wrestle with. Frustration exists in people today. It might be with you. Do you wrestle with it? And left alone, it will eventually display itself and it won't be pretty. And you could have valid reasons for your frustration. But my challenge to you today in this lockdown period is, could we deal with it? Could we leave frustration in this lockdown period and not take that trait into the new normal so that we can flourish better? Come on, I want to leave that challenge with you because it's going to come out eventually. I remember a time many years ago when Sarah and I were, were um, newlyweds and we'd bought ourselves a little what we called a pocket rocket. It was a, a Peugeot 205 car and it was the 1.9 GTI version. It was fast. It was like a little roller skate. You'd turn the corners and you shoot and, and we loved driving that car. And it had on the back, on the side of it, a, a 1.9 badge and it was, the, it was the posh one. It was the best one. It was the souped up one. And it just had 1.9. It was a grey sort of oblong and it was stuck on the side. And one day we went out in the morning and someone had been on and popped off our 1.9 badges. And then it looked rubbish. And it was so annoying because our nice car that we were really chuffed with at the time now didn't have the 1.9 badges. Someone had nicked them. So what we did is we went online, we found it, and they were about £30. And we bought a new set and, and you just have the double-sided sticky tape and they went on. It was great. A couple of weeks later, couldn't believe it. We walked up in the morning, someone had done it again. And I noticed as I drove around town, there were various Peugeots with the signs popped off and some with, and I felt like there was this cycle going on. And so in my frustration of people stealing my 1.9 badges, I said, it says, there's clearly a cycle going on here. So one night I snuck out, I found a 1.9 Peugeot and I popped off the badges and put them on my car. And I thought, well, it's gonna go round and I'm frustrated. Why should I keep spending 30 pounds on new one? Everybody else is doing it. And I sat at home and about an hour after I got home, I said to Sarah, I can't do it. It's just wrong. It just didn't sit well with me. So I drove back to the car and popped them off and put them back on. But my point here is, I think I'm a good guy, I try to be a good guy, but in my moment of frustration at the situation, my anger at the situation displayed itself wrongly. And if that can happen to me, that can happen to any of us. Now, I went and put it right and I didn't let it fester in me anymore. But you can see how frustration causes you to behave in not great ways. Are you frustrated? Is that something that rears up in you from time to time? Is now the time for you to challenge yourself? I love this in Mark 9 where you have the transfiguration and, and then later down, I'm not going to read it to you, but you can look for yourself. As you go down in Mark 9, you'll find that Jesus and the three disciples come down the mountain and they come to a place where there's a, a big argument and a debate going on. There's a man who has brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples and said, I've seen you deal with this stuff. Could you get him better? Could you cast it out? Could you help him? The lad's frothing at the mouth and it's all horrendous. And they prayed how they knew to pray and they said what they needed to say and they couldn't shift it. And they were frustrated and, and arguing with the guy. And Jesus steps in and they said, they said well, we, can't, we can't heal him. And Jesus at this point himself is frustrated. He says something like, how long must I be with you? 
I have demonstrated to you. I have taught you. You have authority over this. Come on, people. But Jesus demonstrates how to deal with frustration. Firstly, he deals with the problem. He casts the demon out and he sets the boy free. So he demonstrates to his disciples how, how it's done. He doesn't embarrass them in front of everyone. He then later has a conversation with them and he says to them, some things are only cast out by prayer and fasting. You see, when it's a difficult problem, you need to add the spiritual discipline of fasting into your prayer life because it adds weight to it. And Jesus was continually fasting. Jesus was continually going for his God. He lived in this lifestyle, and so he had the authority behind it. So Jesus, instead of allowing his frustration to boil over into violence and anger and negativity, he used it to become a teaching opportunity. And he flipped it round for positivity. He never let it get a hold of him. It's okay to be frustrated. It's not okay to let it fester and become part of your character because it will display itself negatively. Can you see how Jesus turned this thing around? How about we take this opportunity to stop the festering from happening? You know, maybe you need to speak to someone. And we've got people in our church who'd love to speak to you. Please email in and say, is there anyone to speak to me? Write a little comment on our feed as it's going out right now live. We want to stand together. If not us, is there someone in your world who you could speak to and say, do you know what? I heard a message today. I'm dealing with some frustration. Could you help me? But more importantly than that, pray. Take it to the healer. In um, John's third letter, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2, it says this, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. You see, John is the disciple that Jesus loved. John is the guy who was closest to Jesus. And when he is writing open letters to people, he is saying, I'm praying for you, that you may be in good health. Even your soul, even your inner person would get along well. What he's saying is, I'm praying. Prayer makes a difference. Take your frustration to the Father and say, I want to give it to you. It's gone on too long. I don't want to let it fester. I don't want to take this into a new normal. Take it to the Father and pray. But take the opportunity to share it with someone. Get other people praying for you. But do not take this frustration into a new normal. How about a new you that's free from it, free to flourish? Can you see how frustration can be life debilitating? But Moses had great traits too. He was this man of courage. You could argue that he was one of the greatest leaders of all time. He led several million grumbling and traumatised Jews from captivity into freedom. What a great, great man. And it took courage. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. How courageous was it to go back to the place where you murdered someone? How courageous was it to go back to the Pharaoh who opened up his home to you and yet you run away? How courageous must that have been? You're going back to the most powerful man on the planet to say, I want you to let the slaves go. Now, that's probably not going to go down well in, in, in your thinking. But he says, I'm a man of courage. Now, I want you to consider this in terms of courage. Courage wells up on the inside based on your ability to weigh the odds of success. This could go wrong. I could die. I could look stupid. I could fail. But you evaluate the whole situation and behave based on your assessment of the cost involved and the chances of winning or losing. 
Can you see that? All of these thoughts go through quite quickly. You see, it takes courage to ask someone out on a date. But before you ask the question, there's a whole bunch of evaluations going on in your head. Does she find me attractive or he find me attractive? Do we get on well? Are there friends giving me the vibes? Is, is this person giving me the... There's evaluations going on. It's still courageous to ask the question because you are putting yourself out there. You could get knocked over and it could potentially be embarrassing, but you're evaluating. And so the way you behave and the courage that rise up in you is based on a whole bunch of differentials that you're considering all the time, whether you realise it or not. See, courage comes from these evaluations. You see, it takes courage to launch a new business. But you're evaluating, do I have the skills? Do I have the history? Have I got the money behind me? Have I got the relationships to help me? Have I got the, you know, do I have things in place to launch this? And, and you never surely, it would only be stupid to launch a business where you've got no clue about that business world, no history in it, no understanding. That's just stupidity. But courage comes when you're saying, I've got the skills, I've got the people around me, I've got the money behind me, so I'm gonna have a go. I'm gonna push through. And it's a courageous choice, but it's not a stupid choice. So put ourselves in Moses' shoes, this courageous man. God speaks to Moses through that famous incident at the burning bush. Moses is about his busy life and he sees this bush burning, which isn't uncommon in, Israel, in, in the land at the time, but the bush is burning yet not being consumed. And he notices it, he says, what's going on there? And he approaches the burning bush and, and God speaks to him. And God says, go to Pharaoh, go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go. And Moses is evaluating. He's already speaking to a bush that's burning and not, not being consumed right there. That is a sign that's in his thinking. This is weird. Okay, what's going on here? As Moses is evaluating, he starts making all the excuses. I can't do it. Isn't there someone else who's better than me? Moses, we know, had a stammer. He says, you're asking me to go and speak, and yet I can't speak. There's better people. He starts making all the excuses. That's his default mode. Maybe that's your default mode. But then he has this conversation with God in Exodus 3, and verses 11 through 14, and it says this. Moses said to God, who am I that should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Can you see? What, why me? I, I haven't got the qualifications for this. He's evaluating. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is who you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Now, on this process, they have this discussion, and God gives Moses another sign. He says, see that staff? That's going to be significant. Throw your staff on the ground. And he throws the staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. Freaky! And God says to Moses, now grab the tail of the snake. And he grabs the tail and turns back into his staff. What's happening? God knows that Moses is evaluating the situation. God knows that he's trying. he needs to stir some courage up in his man. So he speaks to him through a burning bush. He challenges him and says, I am going to be with you. And he demonstrates power to him. 
And as all this goes on, courage is stirring in Moses. And he says, yes, I'm up for it. I've evaluated the situation. I am is going to be with me. And he's full of courage. So what's going on on the inside gets displayed in his behaviour on the outside. He acts. <coughs> so God interrupts Moses in his busy life. He's successful. He's built a life for himself. He's getting on with it. But he challenged his priorities and said, I am with you. I'm going to add the weight of heaven and my authority into the thing I've called you to. So my question to you right now is, are you feeling interrupted? Would you take a burning bush moment and listen? Is God trying to get your attention in this lockdown moment where, quite frankly, we've all been interrupted at one level or another? Is God stirring something on the inside, brewing some courage in you to take into the new normal? Is God challenging you to get past yourself and step into new relationships, to step into a new job, to step into starting a new business, to step into a new mindset, a, a new commitment, uh, a new lifestyle? Is God in this moment challenging you to saying, I'm with you? But I want you to shift your priorities. I want you to step into something new. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some courage to do something different. But I am with you. Look at this in Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11 is a great long list of some of the, the, the incredible heroes of the faith. And Moses is mentioned. He wrote here, Hebrews 11 verses 24 to 29 say this. By faith. When Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the, as, uh, as the Pharaoh's daughter, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ uh, of a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. You see, all of these actions Moses took were by faith. He couldn't see what was on the other side, but because he believed I am was with him, he acted. And as he acted, God backed him. And we see the stories unfold. We see the miracles happen. We, saw, we see the Red Sea parted. But it was by faith. Do you know what? A life of faith takes courage. Because you know on the inside of you that God's with you, but you still have to walk through the process in the natural. But what's going on on the inside of you, a courageous faith, has to be displayed on the outside of you in the way that you act and the way you behave. And the way you act and behave is what causes the miraculous to happen in the natural. We are called by faith to bring heaven to earth. So that when people look at my life and when people look at your life, they go, wow. Just good things happen around you, amazing things. Yeah, do you know why? Because I've got some courageous faith in me. I haven't settled for the norm. I've had a moment with my God and he said, Barry, I want you to step out. And I've stepped out and now you're watching the outworkings of that. It's by courageous faith. Living a life of faith has to involve courage. Moses evaluated the situation, but having fully believed God was with him, he acted and his courage was there on display. 
Church, is this time for you to get your courage on display? Is this time for you to take a pause and have a burning bush moment? God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you going to do with me in this new normal? Are you challenging me into some new area in my life? Maybe you've known for a long time what God's calling you to do and you've just held off and held off and held off. Well, can I stir you up? Now is the time to let that courageous faith come out of you because new things are going to be happening and God wants you to be part of it. God is looking for people of courage, willing to step into new things in a new normal, willing to put themselves out there based on a deep knowing that I am is with you. I am your provider. I am your health. I am your protection. I am your guide. I am whatever you need in the given situation. And I am all powerful. You see, when you've got I am with you, you cannot fail. The only thing that will ever stop you failing is by ignoring that courage that's inside you and pushing it down. But God is saying, stop pushing it down. Let's be men and women who have courage and have faith. And we step into something and say, God, I'm up for it. Come on, let's go and change this world. Maybe you've got a new business in you. Maybe there's a marriage in your future that you need to go and ask the question. Maybe there's, I don't know what it could be. I don't want to put too many words around it. But I know this, God is stirring something in you, if you'll let him. But it's going to take courage. But you're going to have a great story to tell. So out of this message, can we be people who check ourselves? Do we carry frustration? And are we going to take it with us or are we going to deal with it prayerfully and conversationally? Come on, let's leave the frustration in the past and step into a new normal. And are we going to be men and women who nurture courage, who take a moment like a burning bush moment and say, God, what are you asking of me? And then in faith, knowing that I am is with you, take steps let that courage be put on display in your behaviour. Come on, God's got good things for you. Exciting times are ahead of you, but we have to be looking at our character and playing our part. And it's a, and it's a decision, and it's a prayer, and it's an action. But come on, church, what could God be doing in your life and through your life in the coming years if you'll deal with it now? Could I pray for you? Father God, I just thank you for the amazing, amazing people tuning in right now. Lord, I just pray that everyone listening would just take a moment just to wrestle through with the character traits we've been talking about today. Lord, I just pray for those who are dealing with frustration, even now, Lord God, that you would just release them from it. You would give them a, the ability to let it go and leave it in the past. And Lord, that you would just replace that frustration with hope. You replace that frustration with love. You replace that, that frustration with faith that you've got them and you can leave it behind and go forward. Lord, I want to pray for courage to rise up in your people. Lord, I want to ask that you to have courageous men and women and children who are prepared to put their faith on display and step into new things. Lord, that you'd be glorified. And Lord, that our lives would just display something epic. Lord, thank you that your plans for us are good. And we choose to partner with you and walk with you in relationship and step into the good things you've got for us. And all those people said, Amen. Now, every week I want to give this opportunity. The best decision you could ever make in your life is to allow Jesus to be right in the middle of it. And Jesus displayed his love for you on a cross and said, this is for you. And he died a death he didn't deserve, but death couldn't hold him. And he rose again and said, I've got the keys of life and now I want to walk with you. And the invitation is open to everyone. 
But he loves you enough to give you free choice. And if you say yes to Jesus, he promises that he'll come into your world and it will never be the same again. That he'll lead you into fresh pastures. That he'll lead you into goodness and wholeness and everything that could be good in your world. But it just takes a moment in your heart to say yes to Jesus. If you're feeling stirred to say yes to Jesus, I just want to pray with you. And once we've prayed, I'd love it if you just email into the church, essex at equippers.co.uk, or make, put a note on our feed, or contact us somehow, because we want to walk with you. So let's pray. Father God, just thank you that you're stirring in people's lives right now. We thank you for Jesus. And so we pray a prayer of faith, inviting you into our world. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you, you love me just as I am, but you love me too much to leave me as I am. I accept you into my world. I ask that you come and be central to everything, come and live in my heart. I turn away from excluding you in my life and step into including you in my life. Lord, thank you that you love me enough to display that on the cross. But thank you that death couldn't hold you. And I want to walk into this full life that you've got for me. I accept you, Jesus, today. Amen, amen, amen. Hey everyone, it's been a pleasure to be with you. Have a great week. Stay connected in church life. There's lots of Zoom opportunities out there. Get involved. Give someone a call. Stand with someone. But in all of this, come on, let's leave some stuff in the past. Let's develop some stuff and take it into the future because God's got good things for all of us. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you all. Bye-bye.